God say amen. <clears throat> All right, if you'll stand with your Bible, hopefully you brought a paper Bible. If not, whatever mechanism you use. We're going to go to John 3, 16 and 17. It's a common passage, not anything that's foreign to you. John 3, 16 and 17. Two verses. Thank you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Can you say amen? Amen, you may be, you may be seated. The, um, this is the third week of the Beyond, uh, Beyond series, and we'll touch base on it just a bit. Uh, next week. But the, the, the bottom line, the heart of it, as you know, uh, that's been with us the last few weeks, comes from Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where we're commissioned to make disciples and to baptize, baptizing them uh, into the name of our Lord, uh, to teach them to be, to be disciples and for all of us to be disciple makers. It's a, it's a charge to the church for us, our commission, our, our uh, mission is for people to become disciples indeed. But it's also a charge to each of us uh, that we're to be uh, disciple makers, to, to help people come uh, to that place of faith. Uh, I, I just get so blessed when, of course, all of the baptisms just mean so much to me. But when you hear the story of Joel today and his baptism and what Christ has done and uh, the change, the transformation that's come about in his, his life, and he surely he'll still have some challenges and some battles to face but he's made that commitment that Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to press through, and I'm going to trust Jesus. That should be the heart of all of us, to, to touch people's lives in, in such a way. It's, it's why we do the things that we, that we do as a church, from the outreach things with, uh, uh, with We Love Our City, with the food distributions, uh, and supporting local agencies who are doing some amazing things, being in neighborhoods, the backpacks uh, for school students. Uh, the mission work we do, whether it's in Guadalajara or in South Africa or in India or through Convoy of Hope or through my project uh, 360, uh, these, these are things because we, wanna, we want to people to see the love of Jesus and hear the word of God. We, we do that in every one of our ministries, from uh, children's ministry to the city youth, uh, our city lights, young adult groups, and our city life groups. They're designed... To, to help us teach every generation, every generation, uh, every ethnic group that the Lord gives us opportunity to minister with, uh, all, all uh, uh, generations to speak life into them. Uh, the, the Bible college that, we, that we'll be starting in the fall is, again, to speak into the life of a generation below me, for sure, and below some of you. Uh, some of you are part of that generation, but we want people to know what it means to, to know God uh, and to find freedom and to discover their purpose and to make a difference. Why were they actually created? The church plants, partnering with our networks for churches to be planted and the ones we've done in either Tacoma or partnership in Santa Barbara and Henderson, Nevada, and in Yemen, uh, Venezuela, training church planters in Central Asia. That's all for the purpose of the one, touching the life of people to fulfill the mission. And so 
as we do those things as a church, it just helps us carry out what we believe God has called us to do, and that's to help people far from God find life in Christ. People, people deserve love. People need to know that their lives have value. People need to know that there's a God that cares for them. Every person whose eyes you look into is someone Jesus died for. Now, we may have thoughts about people. We may have opinions about folks. Uh, we may have our speculation about people. And let's, let's be honest, sometimes certain people's personality rubs us the wrong way, right? I mean, am I the only one being honest? Sometimes people's personality might rub us the wrong way, but it doesn't change their value before the Almighty God. Jesus died for them, and our heart, our mission, is to help them know this Christ who loves them and desires to save them. Life is short. Eternity is real, and people matter. Those three sentences I want you to note today. Life is short. Eternity is real, and people matter. When I, when I got the, uh, the diagnosis of the prostate cancer, which is going well, and it will go well, I'm just believing God for that, and everybody's prayers is amazing. I'll do, I'll do everything, obviously, the doctors tell me to do while I trust Jesus to do what he's going to do. But, but it was a reality. It, it was a reality check for me once again that life that we cherish so much are subject to things that are completely out of our control, completely out of our control. I, I, I am certain that those four Young people in Idaho that laid their head down that night or early that morning probably had no thought that somebody was going to come and mercilessly slaughter them, and that would be the end of their life. That, 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 that thought probably never crossed their mind, or the six people that was taken into a break room at a Walmart, and, and their supervisor decides to, that he's going to make a decision to take all six of their lives. There, there probably was no thought for them that their life would end right now, or the folks that was killed at Club Q and the 17 that was injured by some crazed man conditioned uh, for violence. These are things that, that bring us to the reality when people get a terminal disease or an illness that's unforeseen. We're reminded over and over again that there's so many things that occur in our life that are uncontrollable to us, uncontrollable. And so the scripture reminds us that life is short. Psalm 144, verse 4 says this, Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Just think about that. It's telling us what our life is like. And I, I know, I don't think that every time I breathe, that that's the shortness of my life. I'm not thinking when I'm breathing that that's how short my life is. Or when I see a shadow... I'm not thinking that's what my life is like. It's just passing by. We spend time trying to grab a hold of life. We spend time trying to control it. We spend time as if we can catch our breath and catch a shadow. And yet the Lord is saying, that's what your life is like. It's that small, that short. The days are that few. James put it in a more startling way in James 4. 13 and 14, he says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. 
Why do you not eat? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And, and, I, and how many times do we actually think about that? Now, I was raised in a church that whenever you said something to someone, you would follow it by saying, if it's the Lord's will. So like I would say, I'll come by and see you at noon if it's the Lord's will. Or I'll bring you a cake for your birthday if it's the Lord's will. And, and I'm certainly not saying that you should do that. As a matter of fact, that can get a little annoying, right? Pastor, I'll call you if it's the Lord's will. I'll text you back if it's the Lord's will. I see you on church on Sunday at 9 if it's the Lord's will. That can get annoying. But the mindset is the same, that we should always be thinking that this is not my life to control. And when, whenever we think that we're going to do something or say something, James is right. Why do we think that we can make what's going to happen tomorrow, that we can make that happen? The, 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 the thought of what is your life, he goes on to say, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And, and, and we can be very arrogant with our life, that, that everything is under our control, and miss the idea that God is the one that really decides all this. God is the one that really decides. And now, it doesn't mean that we stop planning. Uh, I, I, I think that would be foolish. The Scripture clearly tells us to plan and, 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 and to occupy, but we know that everything that we do, we hold on loosely because it's ultimately in His control. So, the point that James is making, that we ponder the scope of life, we approach our life with the mindset that we're just stewarding over it, that this life doesn't belong to us. It's, it's not my life. It's his life. I just get to steward everything that God gives me, every breath that he gives me, all the faculties and all the movement of my limbs be stewarded over, that they don't belong to me, that we're, we're fragile. We're not as durable as we suppose. Now, my mind tells me that I'm 29. My body reminds me every day, you're 59, sucker. Every day. And 79 is right around the corner. We're not as durable. <laughs> That's not so bad, I guess, Don. It looks pretty good on you. But, uh, but, 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 but we're, we're durable and, 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 and we're fragile. And we got a short shelf life. There's an expiration date on your life. We don't have the privilege like we do. We go to the grocery store. We can open up the dairy uh, 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 counter, and we can look on, the, on that carton of milk, and we can know when it's going to expire. We don't have an expiration date planted on our, on our forehead like LED lights where you can come up to somebody and say, hey, man, I'd like to start a business with you, and the LED lights goes off and says, oh, no, he only got two more weeks. We don't, we, don't have, we don't have an expiration date stamped on us. But hear me, you have an expiration date. You have an expiration date. And so the right view of life for us is the right view of God. It's the right view of God. Job said it, and bless his heart, poor fella. Job 14, 1 through 5, he said this, How frail is humanity? How short is life? and how full of trouble. We blossom like a flower and then wither. Like a passing shadow, we quickly disappear. Must you keep an eye on such a frail creature and demand an accounting from me? Who can bring purity out of an 
impure person, no one. You have decided the length of our days. You know how many months we will live, and we're not given a minute longer. That's the truth of it. Job hit that right on the head. Job, Job said, listen, I got, a, I got a few days here on earth, and I got a whole lot of trouble, but I want you to hear this. You got a few days, and you may have a lot of trouble, but you got just enough God. You got just enough God. Job laments the sickness and the loneliness and the disappointment and the death that people experience, and we see that all the time. And living more days won't fix that. But know this, we got just as much God. Job asked the question, even with this shortness of days and this full of, this full of trouble, are, are you actually watching over me? Are you keeping an eye on me? And the, and the answer is absolutely yes. But God is not looking down upon us to watch us squirm in this life or watch us wither away in utter defeat. God is looking down upon us and helping us come to an accountability of embracing the hope that he gives us. To, be, to live life in a real perspective because he's the one that guarantees us a life forever, and it's a life that is so much better than this one. So, so life is short, but eternity is real. Eternity for us, we, only can, we can only understand what we see. So we think of, of our life as the day that we were born and whatever day that we might leave here. But for God, our life is eternal. He always knew us. He always knew the person that it would would exist. We don't have a beginning or an end. We were always known by God. We are eternal to him, always existed before him. And, 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 And everything about our life, God knows it. And so our life here is is not for us to to prove our existence. God knows that we exist. We now know that we exist, but it's to determine our state of eternity. It's to determine our state of eternity, our response to God, and our relationship with him will determine how we live this eternal life that all of us have been given. Every one of us have been given an eternity. It's written in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3, 11b says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. Every one of us have been etched with the truth, you're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. It's a matter of how you live and where you live. And this is the thing that I know about eternal living. Because we were created by an eternal God who had a purpose and a plan for us to live with him for eternity, we can never be satisfied with earthly pursuits. We can only be satisfied by eternal things because that's how God created us. He created us in the image of him. He gave us a spiritual thirst. He gave us an eternal value. Nothing but an eternal God can completely satisfy us. So God has built within us a yearning, a yearning for the kind of a perfect world that we cannot create. But God has purposed and planned that for us in all eternity. It exists. It's available, but only through him. Life is short. Eternity is real. And where you spend it matters. This will be on the screen, and it's a patchwork of a of a, a story that Jesus told or a truth, a doctrine. Matthew 25, 31 through 34, verses 41 through 46, it says this, when a son of man comes in his glory and he all, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him 
and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on the left, verse 31, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So there is eternity. I was going to take more time to deal with the doctrine of heaven and, and hell, and there's so many scriptures that, uh, that prove it, and I, I hope that, uh, that you don't question the fact of whether that's a real, there's real places, heaven and hell. So the question should be for us, where are we going to spend this eternity? How, how are you doing with what God has made available to us? How, how is our life unto him? Because that is the determination. That's the determination. Galatians 6, 8 says this, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So when we live unto the flesh, when we live unto ourselves, unto our own mind and our own mindset, it's, it's, that's what we get back. If you live unto the flesh, you're going to reap the corruption that comes from the flesh because the flesh is constantly decaying. And if you continue to live unto the flesh for your own good, your own satisfaction, your own mindset, your own life, your own goodness, then you're going to reap the things that come with a corrupted flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. When we live a life unto the Spirit, when we are life unto unto him. The end of it all is a life of eternity. Romans 6.23 says it so well, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a payday someday. There's a payday someday. Either the pay that you get for living unto the flesh is eternal death, or the pay that you get for living unto the spirit is eternal life. It's Romans 6, 23. So life is short, eternity is real, and people matter to God. People matter to God. You might recall last, last week uh, that I talked about the children, Jesus taking the children and blessing them. The disciples uh, was trying to keep the children away from Jesus, but Jesus says, no, no, let them, let them come. He showed his love. He, he spoke a blessing over the children. It showed that Children matter to Jesus, but it, it's not just children that matter to Jesus. Everybody matters. Everybody matters to God. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, three sentences, all men matter, you matter, I matter. Every one of us matters. Now, I got to tell you something. Theologically, that is an overwhelming thought, that people who reject God and don't want to have anything to do with him. The scripture even says we have an enmity toward God, that, that we actually matter to him. The, the, the celestial beings was completely blown away that God even cared about people, that God even cared. Listen to this in, in, in Psalm 8, 3 through 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Think about what he's saying. 
Everything that God created does what God created it to do. The moon stays where God wanted it to be. The sun went to where it was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Roses do what roses God created them to do. Lions do what he created lions to do. You can go right on down the line. Trees, oak trees do what God created them to do. Cockroaches do what God created them to do. Mosquitoes and flies. Everything does what God created them to do except us. We're the only people that decide we're not going to listen to God that we're not going to listen to him. And the angels in heaven are saying, what is this? All of us even up here do what you tell us to do. And if we don't, we saw Lucifer and his boys get thrown out. And yet you care about them who reject you, who don't love you, who don't listen to you. It's blowing their theological mind. But God loves us. He made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. Because he loves us, Psalm 144.3 says, Lord, what is, a, what is a human that you care for him and a son of man that you even think of him? That, that's, that's, that's just how God is. He just, he just loves us that much. We're, we're special to him. We're important to God. And what's, and what's the proof? That verse we read, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This whole thing about salvation, I want to say it's Psalm 103. This whole thing about salvation, the scripture says that the angels didn't even understand redemption. They wanted to look into it. What is this thing about redemption? That God is actually transforming people after he created them and making them something just like him because he cares for us that much. Y'all doing all right? Life is short. Eternity is real and and people matter. And, and, And so we have to see people as the Lord does. We really do. We gotta see people as the Lord does. All people are valuable. All people are loved. We got to see him the way the Lord does. Aren't you glad that God doesn't catch you on a bad day and say, Tyrone, you tell me who you want to go to heaven. If he caught me on a bad day. <laughs> but, but, but he loves all. He values all. And we got to see people in that same manner. We, we, we got to come to the place that we care for people and want everybody to have an opportunity for eternal life. That means, obviously, us as a church. That means even getting, helping people get to a place where they can learn the word and hear the love of Jesus, whether it be in a small group or city youth or the kids ministry or one-on-one discipleships. We got to cultivate relationships that allow our witness to penetrate the heart. We, listen, we can't be so preoccupied with the details of our own life that we forget there's lost people out there. And we do. We get so occupied in our own life, planning and playing and procrastinating, and, and that we forget that there's lost people out there. And understand this, lost people cannot find their way to God. Lost people cannot find their way to God. It's, it's, it's up to us, those that know him, to help people get to that place, to prioritize people in that manner. One of my favorite 
Stories in the Bible of an encounter is in Luke chapter 19 with Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 1 through 10, as he entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, mind you, he's just passing through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and that's pretty common for tax collectors. They were, they were Jewish people who exacted money and sometimes exorbitant, sometimes way off the mark from their own people. The Romans actually looked for people who had that kind of heart that, that, would, that would manipulate their own people and collect the taxes because they got to keep so much and then they'll turn so, many, so much over uh, to, the, to the Romans. So many of them were, were rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He had heard about Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He's a little man or short man. Some of us remember the song in, 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 uh, in school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Okay, that's what I learned in Sunday school. I, I guess they don't teach. Sunday school was out of fashion, I guess, when some of y'all grew up. But so he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For, for Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And now, mind you, Jesus didn't stop at the temple and tell the religious leaders how great they were doing. He didn't go see some, some wonderful people that was doing some great things in the community and say, hey, I'm so glad you guys are doing my work. It's so good that you're doing the things you're doing in your community here of Jericho. He went and looked for the sinner, looked up at him and said to him, come down. I'm going to stay at your house today. Zacchaeus sees it. He's, he shoots down. He's got great joy. But when the others saw it, they all grumbled, and they said, here is this Jesus going to spend time at a sinner's house, as if the only people that we're supposed to spend time with is saints. How would we ever be a witness? They're, they're so concerned. Look at Jesus spending time with sinners. You need to spend time with sinners. You need to spend time with sinners. I'm not telling you to do the things they do. Sure, I hang around with folks that cuss all the time. People say things, look who, pastor, hang around with people that cuss all the time, and Lady V, it don't stop me from loving you. But hang around with folks that, 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 that cuss all the time. But the idea, <laughs> it's just good to see you in church, baby. But the idea, <laughs> but, 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 but the, the, the very thought that we got to be so concerned with our reputation that we can't spend time with people who need to know Jesus is ridiculous. You don't have to do what they do, but you should certainly be willing to share what, what they need. Be willing to be in the place where you can speak life and share life and be a Jesus. Find the Zacchaeus who needs the Lord. He says, and Jesus said, well, Zacchaeus busted out. Yeah, he busted out and said, it was so eye-opening to him that Jesus would actually call him and say that I'm going to spend time at your house. Zacchaeus runs down off the tree and say, man, I'll give half of everything I got away. I wish we could find some Zacchaeuses for CTC. I'll give everything away. 
But, 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 but he said, I'll give all my goods to the poor, and I'll defraud. If I've defrauded anyone, I'll restore it to them. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house because also you are a son of Abraham. And here it is. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's the heart of it, seeking and saving the lost. I read an article some time ago about, uh, it was a reporter in, in Sarajevo during the time of the, of the war. He was covering the conflict. While he was standing there, uh, a sniper hit a little girl with the sniper shot, the bullet. Of course, the little girl falls down immediately. It was a man that ran to the girl and picked her up and was trying to comfort her and talk to her uh, after that, that, that bullet hit her. The reporter said that he, he, he threw down his pen, pen and pencil and just ran right over to them, saw the condition of the girl, and, and said to the man, listen, let me get you to my car. Let's try to get her to a, a hospital or a place where she can get some, some care. So the, as, a, as a reporter was driving, he was accelerating as much as he can, and the, the man was holding the, the girl, and, and, uh, and he, he looked up and said to him, hurry, my friend, my child is still alive. Then a few minutes later, he says, hurry, my friend, my child is still breathing. A few minutes later, hurry, my friend, my child is still warm. And right before they got to the hospital, he said, let's, let's run in, my child has gotten cold. And when they got to the hospital, sure enough, they pronounced the little girl dead. They both go into the lavatory to wash the blood off their hands and, and to try to get some off their clothes. And the man turned to the reporter and, and said, this is a terrible task for me. I now have to go tell her father that her child is dead and he's going to be brokenhearted. And the man said to him, he said, wait a minute. You mean that wasn't your child that you were caring for that way? And he said, no, but aren't all of them our children? See, that, that, that's the heart of Jesus. Aren't they all his children that we want to help them get to know their father and get to know their Lord and Savior? That's the mission of us is to approach people and love people knowing that they were created and valued by God. And so the heart, uh, the heart of us as a people and the heart of us as a church is to continue and to ask you to just continue to join with us in partnering and planting and expanding, continuing to do the work of the Lord because it's about the one. It's about the one that doesn't yet know Jesus, your comrade, your colleague, the, the person you work with, the person in your family, the, the friend that you have, the, the one who you coach with or, or the one you sit down in the stands with. It's about that one, Matthew 18 12 through 14 says, what do you think? If someone has 100 sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go search for the stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over the sheep more than he does the 99 that didn't go on astray. And in the same way, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The heart of Jesus is not for any of them who perish. Now, you may look at this story and you, you may think, well, didn't he care about the 99? Why was that one so important? Was it the favored one? Was it the most valuable one? Was it the most prized sheep of all that he would 
put out a full search and rescue mission? No, it's just the very fact that this one was lost. That's the point that Jesus wants us to get. It's not that the 99 weren't valuable, but this one was lost. So much so that when that one's found, you throw a celebration. And you think about it. You can have two children, three children, but if one of your children end up missing and they end up on a poster or a milk cart and they're gone for three weeks or three months or three years, when that one child does come back home, you telling me you won't throw a party? Even if you got four more other children, you don't think finding that one is worth a celebration. It's worth a celebration when one person lost comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's the issue for you. All of this is about us carrying out the mission to do what Christ has called us to do. But I don't want you to miss the question. Do you know that you have eternity with him? You know your eternal life, whether your eternal life is sure, is for sure in Christ Jesus. John 5, 24 makes a good statement here. It says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death unto life. That's the issue for you. Being sure you have eternity. Not just a churchgoer, not just someone who says you were a Christian because you were born in a Christian family, but you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and absolutely surrendered your life to him. And every night you lay your head down, you know for sure, no matter what takes place tonight, I'm going to live with my Savior for all eternity. Because Jesus said, once you make that, that claim, that truth, all of your sins, you're no longer condemned. All of your sins are washed away, completely done away with. You're not condemned and cannot be condemned. Because from that moment on, you've passed from death unto life. Let me tell you, I'll close with this. You can stand. Life is short. Eternity is real. And people matter. And that includes you. Prayer team, you can come. There's going to be space here for you to come before the altar to pray if, the, if you just want to worship and minister before the Lord. The prayer team is here. There's no, there's no God cards in front of you. If you want to make a commitment to Jesus today, you certainly can do that. You can do that in your heart. You can do that with your mouth. You, there's a card there you can let someone know at the connect table. I want to commit my life to Jesus. These dear people will be here to pray with you. And any other needs that you have. They're here because they love you. They're here because they care about you. They're here to, to, to be a great witness of Jesus to you in your life and to pray with you about whatever needs you have. But listen, know this. If you're certain and sure about your eternity, I can assure you there's someone in your life who's not. And so leave here with that message. Their life is short. Eternity for them is real. And their life to you really matters. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity we have to hear your word, to know your truth, and to embrace an opportunity, Lord God, for us to go beyond ourselves and do a great work for those, Lord God, that you have put eternity in their hearts. Let us be vessels. Let us be witnesses. Let us be a Jesus unto a Zacchaeus, seeking to save those that are lost. In Christ's name we pray. May the people of God say amen.
God bless you. Have a great day.